Hey, everybody. This is Lewis. Just checking in. Um, how are you doing? Are you okay? So much has changed since our last episode. And in general, the view from somewhere doesn't do news reporting. We talk about the news and about history and how folks have reported the news in the past. Um, but all of our realities are really different right now. So we are working up a special episode that's going to take on some pandemic-specific questions and issues. And I think it's going to be actually weirdly positive like about things that journalists are doing right and lessons from the past um, and solidarity and mutual aid. So that will be coming out soon, although soon might feel like forever, judging from the way that time has been feeling recently. Um, so, and for now, I have a few things I wanted to share with you and also just wanted to let you know that we're still here. The first thing is a thought or a feeling I've been having. I have an essay coming out this week from Scalawag Magazine about possibility and about how in this moment, we can and we need to claim an expanded sense of imagination and of what is possible. So the conditions right now on the ground are really bad. Uh, people are out of work. People are getting sick. Things are verging on chaos in our healthcare system and in the social order. <laughs> um, but there's also suddenly all this free stuff, all this generosity, and we're seeing things like stops on evictions prisoners being released, food being given away, homeless people being housed. Um, someone pointed out to me this week that Duke Energy, the big bad power company in our area, is ceasing to shut off people's electricity for non-payment. So basically all the things that our communities needed but were told were impossible, now it appears they're possible when more people recognize the crisis that is already there and recognize the need for mutual aid and collectivity as a response. I mean, even Duke Energy is nothing without people, right? And so on that note, I just wanted to provide a personal note of encouragement to all of you because I know that you're already doing your part to support your own communities and to imagine and to manifest a better world, which is what we're about on this podcast. That happens at every level, that imagining. It happens at the level of our relationships and at the level of the stories that we tell and at the level of our small daily actions and interactions. And I really wanna highlight that it's not just about what you do physically with your body right now. Our imaginations, our ideas, our care for one another matters so much in moments like this of potentially revolutionary change. And so we need to imagine big. And I'm really hopeful that our networks of activated people who are ready to live into this world of solidarity and mutual aid will rise up in this moment and show everyone that that kind of world is possible because it is, right? And we can see that right now. Here's a quote that I have always loved from the poet Muriel Rukeyser from her 1949 book, The Life of Poetry. Now we turn to memory. We search all the days we had forgotten for a tradition that can support our arms in such a moment. If we are free people, we are also in a sense free to choose our past, at every moment to choose the tradition that we will bring to the future. We invoke a rigorous positive 
that will enable us to imagine our choices and to make them. So today's show links on viewfromsomewhere.com will provide connections to mutual aid networks, to ways to plug in as well as get help and support that you might be in need of right now. Um, So check that out. And now on to the second segment of today's short little show. This is a reading from my book, The View From Somewhere. This is actually the final passage of the conclusion, which I recorded a while ago and then didn't put in the show, And it, but it just felt so relevant right now as I am listening to these COVID-19 newscasts and especially listening to the press conferences uh, that are happening with the president, which, holy shit, y'all. So, okay, so I just wanted to share uh, this last passage with you. Recently, I had a dream full of rising water. I was on a ship with my dad and a whole lot of other people, and the ship hit an iceberg. The water was cold and high, and the ship was sinking like the Titanic. There was a way out which involved scrambling across the deck of the ship to the bow, jumping onto lifeboats. But as it started to tip and go down, the bow extending upwards, Lots of people were still caught below deck. There were dozens of children down there, and we knew it. My father and I realized we could save ourselves by following everyone, scrambling and jumping. But instead, we headed back down to help. Right as we approached the door to go below deck, an automated metal gate started to come down. Someone was locking the kids inside the ship to drown. In my dream, my father and I ran toward the gate wedging our bodies between the gate and the floor and screaming. We tried to hold it open, but we weren't strong enough. Then I woke up. We've all wondered what we would do in the worst conditions. War, disaster, slavery, prison. Would we be empathic and kind or protective and suspicious? Would we stand up to tyrannical authority or back down, maybe to protect ourselves or our children? Would we protest if it were our children locked in the bottom of the ship? Who would we be faced with the most limited of choices? Would we stand to the side, looking on as people died? What if it was our job to be a journalist and that job instructed us to stand to the side? When the climate changes, politically or otherwise, we come to see ourselves anew. I remember Hurricane Katrina like it was yesterday. I was in Texas in a cheap motel, healing from a surgery when the storm hit. I was pumped up on Percocet, reading Truman Capote and watching the TV news, an unfamiliar treat to me. I remember seeing the newscasters standing waist-deep in the water, the detritus of people's homes and livelihoods floating by. I watched as one of those newscasters broke down in tears, trying to rattle off the numbers of homes underwater, the numbers of people evacuated, the numbers of dead bodies out there floating in a disaster that was preventable and human-made. I remember clearly the images that emerged later of President George W. Bush flying over New Orleans in Air Force One, 
never touching down to see the human suffering. At the motel where I was staying, stranded people showed up from the Gulf Coast for long stays. I wondered what I would have done if I were caught in that rising water, if it were my job to tell that story. Could I have stood there in the revolting flood water, full of toxins and talked clearly, dispassionately, like Corva Coleman giving the day's headlines? I imagine myself, the NPR newscaster I'd once hoped to be, standing in the Louisiana humidity, soaked through and telling it straight. It was a Category 5 hurricane, thousands displaced, hundreds dead. Here's the temperature. It smells like a dead body. The Dow is up. The S&P 500 is up. Let's do the numbers. The cost of property damage are in the billions. The levees broke in over 50 places. 1,833 dead, more than a million displaced. A dog's body is floating by now, next to a torn-off trailer door. At the time, 2005 was the warmest year on record. But the record keeps being updated. Years later, reporters stopped having to balance stories about climate change with climate deniers. I imagine the climate like that rising water, testing our empathy as we grit our teeth and give the news. It's hotter still this year, and hotter again. We're hearing reports of flooding and wildfires. We're hearing reports of drought and displacement. Let's do the numbers. 25 million to 1 billion people could be displaced by climate change by 2050 one study finds. How do we balance a story about the sixth extinction, the end of the world? How do we make ourselves human again after turning the whole world into an object, holding it at a distance, telling its stories without letting our voices crack? If I'm standing in the rising water, am I too close to the story? What does it mean to show vulnerability when you're the one after the truth, the one gathering the facts? Stories shape reality and suggest possibility. They can spark curiosity or foreclose it, drowning us in facts and figures. It is possible to make the world new through stories, but it's also possible to create a world we don't want. During Hurricane Katrina, a lot of the reporting focused on looters and violence, turned away from stories about dozens and then thousands of deaths, dozens and then thousands of people helping each other survive. I imagine myself on the NPR newscast, voice cracking. Nearly 2,000 people died here. I'm standing in this water, hundreds of thousands still displaced. It smells like sewage and death. There is a dog's body, a trailer door floating past. There's someone on her way to help. There's someone on that roof yelling. What can we do to make this picture different? How can we stop the water rising, hold open the gates so no one is trapped inside? In my little fantasy, my newscaster job doesn't last long, but it's okay. I really don't have time to wait around for the climate to change. All right, folks, that's it for today. 
if you want to read my whole book, The View From Somewhere, you can still get it, but not directly from the distributor. The University of Chicago Distribution Center is shut down due to coronavirus. Uh, support local sellers by searching for it on abebooks.com, or you can get an ebook wherever you get those. And we'll be back soon with a special episode where we revisit coverage of the AIDS crisis in light of the coronavirus. And we also discuss how some really amazing community-based journalists are covering coronavirus. And we ask what key stories still aren't being told. That's coming soon. Get in touch with me directly on Twitter, at Lewis Pants, or on our website, viewfromsomewhere.com where there are also links and resources for mutual aid. And this podcast is produced by me, Lewis Raven-Wallace, along with Ramona Martinez and distributed by Critical Frequency. Our in-house artist is Billy D. Our theme music is by Dogbotic with additional music by Pottington Bear. The View From Somewhere is made possible by our Kickstarter supporters. We are so grateful to all of you. Friends, please stay safe out there and we'll be back with more very soon.